Welcome to New Life with Adam Camp. This podcast is a ministry of Rosemont Baptist Church in LaGrange, Georgia. Please visit us on the web at rosemontchurch.org. Enjoy the podcast. Amen. I'd like to invite you to open to Exodus chapter 33. And uh, just thank you for the opportunity to share the Word of God before you this morning. But I'd like to begin by just saying, uh, while you're finding Exodus chapter 33, I just want to say that I'm super grateful to be part of Rosemont Baptist Church because I believe that God's hand is on this church in a very special way. I believe it's very evident that God is doing a miraculous work in LaGrange and throughout the world from the people, through the people here at Rosemont Baptist Church. And it's really neat to be part of this, be right smack in the middle of it and see what God is doing, see the way God is displaying his glory. Uh, We're watching the people of God, young people from the children all the way to the oldest people in our church that are displaying their faith in Jesus Christ and stepping out of their comfort zone and uh, letting the gospel of Jesus Christ pierce the darkness uh, in our community and in our world. We're seeing people, uh, you heard the testimonies last, uh, last week of people that went through, uh, went to Mission LaGrange. We had numerous people from our church, who knows how many people, uh, that were involved in projects around our community, sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ, showing the love of Jesus Christ. Some people joined us from other churches. And uh, we've had teams in Romania and Alaska and Guatemala and Zambia, all over the world. It's really just a neat thing to see God doing those things through our church. And uh, I believe there's a sweetness on Rosemont Baptist Church that, uh, that is very, very special. And I'd like to invite our church to pray for our church specifically that God's hand of favor would remain on us in this way and continue to reveal his glory to us. Because it's a very special thing that, as you know, not all churches have that. Um, and I'd like to read to you, as kind of an encouragement, some verses from the book of Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, some of these letters in the New Testament before we get to Exodus. Just as an encouragement to you, as you know, many of the letters of the New Testament were written by the hand of Paul, after the Apostle Paul, after he came to know Jesus Christ. He went on several missionary journeys, you know, his first missionary, second and third missionary journey that the Apostle Paul went on. And he took some of the disciples with him on on these journeys, and he would share the gospel. He would walk into cities and walk into uh, places of study and teaching and philosophy, and he would preach the gospel of Jesus Christ, and people would get saved. And he would establish little churches in all these different cities, cities uh, like Ephesus and Philippi and Colossae and Thessalonica, um, Galatia and Rome and Corinth. Uh, these were the names of the cities. And so then he would go, when he would go back to Jerusalem, some of these cities he was never able to visit again. And especially when he was arrested and placed in prison, uh, he would write these letters and send them to the churches because he fell in love with the people of those churches. The people who came to know Jesus Christ, those were his brothers and sisters in Christ. And he couldn't just let them go and, and never speak to them again. He really wanted to just continue to pour grace into their lives. And so he wrote these letters and he sometimes would send them with people. When he was in prison, he would send them with somebody else so they could take it to the, uh, the, the church itself. And they would get the people together and they'd read the entire letter to the church. It'd be almost as if we sat down and just read the whole book of Ephesians to you. 
And that was the letter from the Apostle Paul, the message to you. That was the sermon for the day. And they got these people together, and they read these, these letters uh, to the people. And, um, you know, what's really unique about all of Paul's letters is they have, they contain a really um, awesome greeting. Every single one of his letters has a greeting in it uh, where he says, he usually says to the saints or to the brethren or to the beloved, my brothers and sisters in Christ. And he would identify them as the Christian, the people that were gathering in that city. And then he would usually say something super encouraging. He'd say, through the blood of Jesus Christ and, and our salvation in God, uh, our Savior Jesus Christ by faith. And he'd say something theological about Jesus and his salvation. And then he'd dive in and say, I am so thankful for you. And I can't can't stop praying for you because of what awesome things I am hearing about. I'm sitting in prison and I'm hearing about the testimonies of faith coming from your church. And I believe as Rosemont Baptist Church, uh, we're seeing some really unique things happen. I think if you guys were to read the introductions to these letters, many of these letters could probably be spoken. If, if Paul were to be here and make a custom letter for Rosemont Baptist Church, um, some of the, the greeting that he would start with would probably sound a lot like some of these. So I'd just like to read a few of these verses to you. Ephesians 1.15 says, For this reason I too, having heard of the faith in the Lord Jesus which exists among you and your love for all the saints, do not cease giving thanks for you while making mention of you in my prayers. Philippians 1.3, I thank my God in all my remembrance of you, always offering prayer with joy in my every prayer for you all, in view of your participation in the gospel from the first day until now. For I'm confident of this very thing, that he who began a good work in you will perfect it until the day of Christ Jesus. Colossians 1, Paul said, We give thanks to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, praying always for you, since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and the love which you have for all the saints, because of the hope laid up for you in heaven, of which you previously heard the word of truth, the gospel. First Thessalonians chapter 1, Paul said, We give thanks to God always for all of you, making mention of you in our prayers, constantly bearing mind your work of faith and labor of love and steadfast hope in the Lord Jesus Christ in the presence of our God and Father. Second Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 3 Paul said, we ought always to give thanks to God for you, brethren, as is only fitting, because your faith is greatly enlarged and the love of each one of you toward one another grows even greater. Therefore, we ourselves speak proudly of you among the churches of God for your perseverance and faith in the midst of all your persecutions and afflictions. So these letters, those are just a few of the letters that Paul wrote in the beginning. He kept saying, I cannot cease giving thanks for you. I thank my God always in remembrance of you. We give thanks to God for you. We give thanks to God always for you, always to giving, giving thanks to God for you. And I believe that you know, as, Rose, as people of Rosemont Baptist Church, we have good reason to give thanks to God for the brothers and sisters we have in this fellowship and the work that we're seeing God do in this fellowship. But what's also very unique about these letters is that every single one of those where he gave a greeting like that, somewhere in the midst of that letter, he encouraged those people to walk in a manner worthy of the gospel that they're entrusted with. So this is not a time just because there is good reason to be giving thanks to God for his great and awesome work in our lives and for his amazing blessing, working of the gospel and the miraculous changing of people's lives through our fellowship. This is not a time for us to kick back and be nominal Christians. He says, I want you to excel still more and walk worthy of this gospel that you are entrusted with. In every one of those books, Ephesians 4.1, he says, 
Therefore, I, the prisoner of the Lord, implore you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling which you've been called. In Philippians 1, only conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. In Colossians 1, walk in a manner worthy of the Lord to please him in all respects, bearing fruit in every good work. 1 Thessalonians 2, walk in a manner worthy of God who calls you into his own kingdom and glory. 2 Thessalonians 1, to this end we also pray for you always that our God will count you worthy of your calling and fulfill every desire for goodness and the work of faith with power. Every one of those churches, he said, I'm, a tra- I'm charging you to take your relationship with God individually and as a church very seriously. This is not a time to just say, you know what, whatever we're doing, it's working, it's good, let's keep the ball rolling. We got it, it's happening. God's, you know, God is doing a, a blessed work through us. Paul says that's good, but we need to press on and make sure that we walk worthy of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Anybody who says that being obedient to God and walking worthy of what God's done in our lives and honoring God with our lives is is irrelevant in the 21st century, has not read the New Testament of God. Because all throughout is a charge and a command for us to walk worthy of this, this work that God's done in us. That does not mean that we earn it. It does not mean that we pay for what God's given to us for free. It means that we honor it and we live up to it. And so he's called us to do this. But what's unique about these letters is not all of these letters were written the same way. Paul gives a greeting, but he was not able to say the same kind of greeting for all the churches. If you were to look in Galatians chapter 1, instead of in that greeting section, instead of him being able to say, I thank my God always for you, and I see your faith, and I see your perseverance, and I see your love for each other. Instead of being able to see that, he says, I am amazed that you are so quickly deserting him who called you by the grace of Christ for a different gospel, which is really not another. You see, the problem with the church of Galatia was they were Christians. He was writing to the Christians who were gathering as a church, but they were struggling. And because of that, those people had allowed sin to creep into their fellowship, and they were corrupted, and it affected their fellowship. So instead of him being able to say, I want you to press on and walk worthy of this calling that you have and this gospel that's working out in your life. Instead, he had to go back to the beginning and basically re-explain the gospel to the Galatian people. And then he had to say, he had to say I, I, I charge you, but I say, walk by the Spirit and you will not carry out the desire of the flesh. There's a whole section in Galatians about walking by the flesh, walking by the Spirit. Obviously, we should be walking by the Spirit. So these people kind of had to go back to square one. But they were the church. So you, as, as you well know, Churches are not all the same. And even in Troop County, our churches are not all the same. And you can kind of tell which ones have the Spirit of God working in them, where it's evident that the favor of God is upon them. Not that one is better than the other, but it seems as though there's a way in which we conduct our fellowship at which God blesses and gives us these amazing um, blessings of having his favor upon us and moving in our fellowship and using our works, showing his glory through us and accomplishing great things for his glory through our fellowship. But obviously throughout Scripture we see also a great warning that we need to be very careful not to allow things to creep in and, and harm this sweet fellowship that we have as a family. So what I'd like to do this morning is, in, is invite Rosemont Baptist Church to pray for Rosemont Baptist Church because I believe we are 
and in a really sweet place where God is doing some amazing things. And I believe right now it could be said of Rosemont Baptist Church, praise God for the work that he's doing through us. We see your labor of love. We see your work of faith. We see your perseverance. Many of you are adjusting your family priorities so that you can put God first. Many of you are making major sacrifices. Many of you are seeing, just taking a little extra time to um, go to the park and share the love of Jesus Christ with some kids at the park or go down to the nursing home and, and share the love of Christ with some of those people who are in there. God is doing some amazing things. And I believe this is not a time for us to kick back and enjoy this wonderful thing that God's doing, but for us to press in on that and search our hearts and pray very fervently that God would keep his favor upon our lives. Another example is in Exodus 33, the example of Moses and the people of God. As you know, if you read the book of Exodus, there's a very large section of Exodus uh, starting in verse 19 all the way through uh, um, well, quite a few chapters, starting in verse 19, working all the way through. I'm going to go through about 34 today. But um, you see this story where Moses goes up onto Mount Sinai, and he meets God. Now, if you know the story starting in Genesis, the people of God are sent out with Abraham. They step out by faith, and they obey God, and they, and they follow God. They go where God tells them to go, much like Rosemont Baptist Church has stepped out in faith, and we are going where God is telling us to go. And many times we are having to trust the Lord because we don't have all the details. We don't have all the facts. We're trusting the Lord to take care of us and to guide us and to lead us. But the people of God continue to struggle with sin, much like we do. The people of God struggled with sin off and on, and, and uh, they wound up being sold into slavery in Egypt. You know the story. And then God rose up Moses, and uh, God used Moses to set the people free. And you know how, the, how God parted the Red Sea and allowed them to walk across on dry ground and displayed his glory by parting the, the Red Sea and displayed his glory by destroying the Egyptian army right in front of them. And they got out into the desert, and God provided food for them every morning and food for them every night. And he made water come out of rocks, and he was constantly displaying his glory to the people. And then they get to this place in chapter 19 where God um, calls him to this mountain, Mount Sinai, and the glory of God comes down on this mountain in a pillar of fire and smoke and ash. It's just billowing up as high as they could see. And God calls Moses up to the mountain, but he tells Moses, don't let any of the people touch the bottom of the mountain, because if they do, they will surely die, because the glory of the Lord is descended upon the mountain. So Moses goes up on the mountain, and God explains. He shares by word to Moses all of the commandments and the testimonies and the instructions and, and how they, God wants those people to live because they are the people of God. They are like the church. They are the people of God. And so Moses is up on this mountain and he, um, he receives all these instructions and he comes back down off the mountain and he explains to the people everything that God said. Ten commandments, all the testimonies of God, all of the heart of God and what, the way God wants them to obey and live. And all the people with a whole heart and with unison, they cried out to Moses and to God and said, everything that God has said we will do. And they said it again, everything that God has said we will do, we will be obedient they proclaim that. So, all right, good. So the covenant relationship is strong at this point in the desert. And so Moses goes back up onto the desert, or goes back up onto Mount Sinai, and um, God begins to carve in stone those testimonies that he had com already communicated to the people. He's carving them in stone, and he's up there for 40 days and 40 nights. And then God alerts Moses and says, hey, Moses, you need to go down the mountain because your people are sinning against me. 
And what happened was all the people were down there. They've been waiting for days and days and days. They're looking up at the top of this mountain with all this fire and smoke and ash coming off over the thing. And Moses has been up there for 40 days, 40 nights. And uh, surely he's dead and he's never, never coming back. But while the glory of God is still on this mountain in the presence of God, they disobeyed God. They took all their rings and their earrings and all the gold stuff they had and they melted it down and made a golden calf. And you know the story. They worshiped the golden calf and performed pagan activities around it. And God said, Moses, you need to go down there and deal with your people. Um, and uh, it, it evoked the anger of God. And so uh, Moses, you can imagine, Moses spent 40 days in the holy presence of God, hearing the word of God, the voice of God, the heart of God. And that is interrupted by sinful children on the ground. And he's coming down the mountain. He is frustrated. He's angry. He's mad. His, his fellowship with God has been interrupted. And he brings those tablets down that are engraved by the finger of God. And he smashes them on the ground in anger, which is not something that the Lord was pleased with. And then he takes this golden calf and he burns it with fire, grinds it up into dust, and spreads it out across the water and makes them drink it. All right? Sounds like a wonderful punishment. All right? So um, I'm glad I wasn't there. And, uh, and then the, Lev- the Levite priests went through and they killed a lot of the men in the camp because they, uh, um, they were leaders. They disobeyed the Lord. Now, a lot of people really struggle because, I mean, that is the wrath of God unleashed on mankind over sin. And we, God is a God of grace. God is a God of mercy. God is a God of compassion and kindness and love. But God is also a God of wrath. And he, is, he has to punish sin. And the problem is... We can't know God's grace and mercy and love and mercy and compassion until the sin has been dealt with. And the wrath of God is directed straight towards us until that wrath is turned away. And so at this point, Moses deals with that on the ground. He goes back up onto the mountain. And then while he's up on the mountain, he begins to intercede for the people. So chapters 32, 33, and 34 of Exodus is where Moses says to God, Moses begins to appeal to God for the people. Now, first of all, in chapter 32, verse 10, this is the attitude of God towards the people. This point, verse 10, God says, Now then, leave me alone that my anger may burn against them and that I may destroy them and I will make of you a great nation. He says, Moses, leave me alone so that I can kill, I want to kill all of them. I want my anger, let me burn in anger towards them. I'm going to kill them all, I'll start all over with you. And so Moses then began to pray that God would not do that. And he prayed that the anger of God would be turned away from the people. That's called propitiation. That's a big theological word. It is in the Bible. Um, but that's exactly what Jesus did when he died on the cross for our sins. He turned away the wrath of God from us to him. Now the thing in here that's different is that Moses did not turn the wrath of God from the people onto Moses. But he had to make sacrifice which was a representation of Christ. And so Moses dealt with this, and then uh, and he prayed. But you know, what was really great was that God told Moses uh, that uh, that he would not kill the people because Moses, by faith, prayed that God would spare those people. So it's really kind of neat that yes, there's this God of wrath, but there's also this God of mercy and grace. And so then on this mountain, that Moses gets up here, and and God says, you know what, I am, uh, I'm not going to go with you guys. I'm going to send you out, but I'm not going to go with you. Chapter 33, verse 1, he says this. The Lord spoke to Moses, 
Depart, go up from here, you and the people whom you have brought up from the land of Egypt, to the land which I swore to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, saying, To your descendants I will give it. I will send an angel before you, and I will drive out the Canaanite, the Amorite, the Hittite, the Perizzite, the Hivite, the Jebusite, all those people in the land. Go up to the land flowing with milk and honey, for I will, I will not go up in your midst, because you are an obstinate people, and I might destroy you on the way. And so God says, listen, I'm going to go ahead and send you out, because that's your... You've been called, you're sent, I'm sending you where you're supposed to go, but this time I'm not going with you. And if you know the story, up to this point, God has been going with them. And, the more, and there was a pillar of fire by day, and there was a pillar of, uh, or pillar of smoke by day, and a pillar of fire by night that would lead the people, and it identified the people. And everybody knew that those were the people of God, because God's presence was with them. And Moses appealed to God and said, God, please do not let us go unless you go with us. And what the really cool thing is that God answered that prayer. So here's some things I want you to see from this, this prayer that's really specific for our church, that we sh- I think we need to be praying for the favor of God to remain on us, and God would hold us together and preserve us. First thing is that God wants his people to know his way and his heart. In Exodus 33, verse 12, Moses said to the Lord, See you say to me, bring up this people, but you yourself have not let me know whom you will send with me. Moreover, you have said, I have known you by name, and you have also found favor in my sight. Now, therefore, I pray you, If I have found favor in your sight, let me know your ways that I may know you. God's desire is that we know his ways and know him. Now, there's a difference between knowing God's ways and knowing God. I've gone to church my whole life. been going to church since I was a little boy. been in Sunday school my whole life. I've learned a lot of stories in the Bible multiple times. Memorized a lot of scripture, and I'm not really that good at memorizing scripture, but I've been doing it for a lot of years. And so a lot of it's beginning to kind of stick with me. It's taken many years, but some of it's finally starting to stick. And, uh, you know, I know there's a lot of people that can go to church and learn a lot of facts about Scripture. We can learn everything there is. We can memorize the whole thing. You know, the the Hebrew children uh, used to have to memorize major sections of Scripture. We don't make our kids do that anymore. But a lot of times we'll sit around in Sunday school and we'll squabble over the details about whether Jonah was swallowed by a big fish or a big whale. And we want to get all the details right, and that's really good. Because a lot of times those details lead us to the heart of God. But ultimately that's what God wants. It's not that we know a lot of things about God, but that we know God personally. That's what God desires for us. He, it's, it's knowing when God speaks to us and recognizing that voice and responding to that voice. As though we're speaking to a God who actually listens to us. I know that uh, there's a lot of people, if you're a Christian, if you love Jesus, if you have Christ in your heart and you're a follower of God, he does speak to you. The problem is, many times we don't recognize when he speaks to us. Some of you say, well, I've never heard God speak to me in an audible voice. But listen, when you pick up the word of God and you read it and you remember it and you hear it, that God is speaking to you. Maybe there's a time when you're walking down the street and that Bible verse you memorize when your kid pops in your head for some random reason. It might be that the Holy Spirit of God is speaking to your heart. Um, it might be that when you're sitting in the sermon and you can't remember everything that the pastor preaches. I don't remember everything preachers preach. But I might get one point or there might be some maybe five minutes in or in the last five minutes there's something that just kind of sticks with me. And it's like the Lord gets me in the heart with what that is and I begin to converse with God about that. I might not hear any of the rest of the sermon, but that part right there I'm talking to God about. And it's because God is speaking to me. I'm in a relationship where I know God. And it's in a relationship where we're known by God. Where he sees, he he knows everybody on the planet. He knows about everybody on the planet, but he doesn't call everybody his own. So to be known is an intimate, loving relationship with God. And Jesus calls it abiding. To abide in Christ means to live. 
We live with Jesus as he lives with us. We walk with Christ as he walks with us. We talk with Jesus as he talks with us. He feels what we feel as we learn how to feel what he feels, love what he loves, hate what he hates. It's a relationship that is a daily process, that is a daily back and forth communication between us and the living God, which is an awesome privilege that God wants us to know by his favor And I believe Rosemont Baptist Church has a lot of people in it that truly know God. But I believe that if we're not careful that we will miss that. And I would like to ask Rosemont Baptist Church to pray for the children, the teenagers, the young people, and the old people in our church. That we would truly know God by heart. Not just know a lot of things about God. And that when we go to Sunday school and we're studying and we're learning... We're not learning to have knowledge. We're not learning to puff up, but we're learning to grow closer and more intimate with God. The next thing I think God wants us to know is truth number two. God wants his people to be distinguished by his presence. In verse 15, it says this. Then he, Moses, said to him, If your presence does not go with us, do not lead us up from here. For how then can it be known that I have found favor in your sight, I and your people? It is not by your going with us. Is it not by your going with us? So that we, I, and your people may be distinguished from all the other people who are on the face of the earth. That word distinguished means to be seen as special. And he, he says to God, please do not let us go another step in this desert unless your presence is going with us. Up to this point, you have been with us. You've led us by day. You've led us by night. You've displayed your glory around us. And I know that we're a stubborn and obstinate people. And I know that we've sinned. We're confessing those to you. And we're repenting of those sins. God, please stay with us. Walk with us. Do not let us attempt to go out and do what you've called us to do without your presence, your powerful presence with us. And here's what's on the line for us at Rosemont Baptist Church. I believe the presence of God is being made evident through our people and through what's happening at this church and what God is doing through this church. He is with us. It sets us apart. It makes us special. It makes us unique. Not that we're better than any other church, but that God's unique fingerprint is on our fellowship. It's really, really special. It's something, it's his favor that makes us so sweet. It's his favor that keeps us from fighting and backbiting. It's his favor that that helps us to his presence with us that helps us to be unified with one another and encourage one another. So when we gather together in fellowship, it's genuine, real fellowship. So when we do ministry, we're doing it from the love and from, not from obligation or because we have to, but because God is in our midst and, we've, and we feel his presence moving us towards that. Also, you know that the body of Christ is made up of people with many spiritual gifts. You know, God said he's given some as evangelists, some as preachers, some as teachers. Some have been given the gift of faith. Some have been given the gift of um, encouragement. And there's many different kinds of gifts that the Lord has given to each of us. And we didn't get those because we got a business degree and that qualifies me for the gift of leadership. But we got those gifts because the Holy Spirit gave them to us. But the Holy Spirit is the one that actually causes the effect of the gift as well. The presence of the Holy Spirit in our body as we work together, as we obey God, as we serve God, as we love God, like a New Testament church should do, like the body of Christ should do, then God's favor working through us, his spirit will create the effect. So when we go out and we do ministry, something actually happens. When we do Bible study, it doesn't seem boring and dead and like an attempt at just learning something new so that we can 
put another check on our chalkboard and our religious to-do list, but we went to Sunday school and God showed up there and we actually bonded together as brothers and sisters in Christ and we met with God and we grew closer to God and we became more intimate. We had a conversation with God in Sunday school class on a personal and intimate level. This is something that we're looking for. I believe this is happening at our church. This is happening on the mission field with our people. And I'm inviting Rosemont Baptist Church to pray that God would continue this work for our people. Another thing I believe God wants us to see is that God wants his people to see his glory. And this is really cool because up to this point, Moses has been praying for God not to do stuff. God, please don't kill everybody. And God answered his prayer and didn't kill everybody. And then he said, God, please don't leave us alone in the desert, please go with us. And God said, okay, I will, I will do this thing that you ask. In verse 17, the Lord said to Moses, I will also do this thing of which you have spoken, for you have found favor in my sight, and I have known you by name. But then Moses asks for something special, something different. This is really bold. Moses is standing in the holy presence of God, the consuming fire of God. And he, God has already expressed his wrath. God has already expressed his anger. And Moses very boldly saying to God, Moses said in verse 18, I pray you, show me your glory. He said, all right, God, give me everything you've got. Show me everything that you are. I want you to show me how wonderful, how majestic, how glorious you are. Reveal your glory to me and my people and let us see your full glory. And God said, God said, uh, verse 19, he said, I myself will make my goodness pass before you and will proclaim the name of the Lord before you. And I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious and I will show compassion on whom I will show compassion. So right there is just a reminder of who's boss, all right? Just by the way, I know you're asking me to change my mind a lot, but I am the boss here. I show compassion who I feel like it. And then he says, but he said, you cannot see my face for no man can see me and live. Then the Lord said, behold, there is a place by me and you shall stand there on the rock and it will come about while my glory is passing by that I will put you in the cleft of the rock and cover you with my hand until I have passed by. Then I will take my hand away and you shall see my back, but my face you shall not see. So God said, I'm not going to allow you to see my face, my full glory, because that will kill you. He said, but this is what I will do for you. I will display my goodness in front of you, and I will proclaim my name in front of you. And this is what I believe we need to be praying as Rosemont Baptist Church for our people. When we go out on mission and in our Sunday school classes and in our homes, moms and dads with kids, we want our kids to know God personally. We want our kids to feel the presence of God because there are times, mom and dad, we just don't understand our kids. And I remember as a teenager especially, there were times I didn't feel like I could talk to my parents, or I did, but they didn't understand me, you know, that, that routine. And, um, and uh, there were some times where I felt like God was the only person I could talk to, and I felt that he was there very, very closely because he was. And we want that for our kids. But then we also want our kids to see the glory of God. We want our kids to see God. Not just what mom and dad say that God is. Not what just their church says that God is. And now we're trying to, you know, we draw little pictures of Jesus and hang them on the wall. And then we have the little stick figures of Zacchaeus and everything in the Sunday school class. But we want our kids to really see the glory of God displayed. And you know, it's really great is that creation displays the glory of God. But many people don't recognize whose glory that is. 
But when the church goes out and is obedient and God's favor is on the church and the gospel of Jesus Christ is being lived through us on the streets of LaGrange, Troop County, and the world, then people will begin to hear the name of God proclaimed through us in our ministry and they will begin to identify the name of God with the glory of God that they're seeing. And we're going to begin to see the power of God work in our ministries. Something is actually going to happen. And what I'd like to do is, like Moses, invite you to pray for our people that God would bless us by knowing him intimately, that God would bless us by showing us his presence, that God would bless us by letting us see his glory in a way that we've never seen it before. When we go out and do missions, let's pray that God will show up and do something, that God will actually change people, that people's hearts will be changed. And I know some of you, you're like, you know, I share the gospel and nothing happens, but then my friend shares the gospel the same way and somebody gets saved. I don't understand that. You work together as a team and you pray and, you, and you're faithful to God and you're obedient. You know, we don't measure success by how full our buildings are. We measure success by our obedience and the presence of God in our lives. We measure success by the favored hand of God on our lives. And the reality is, listen, not all churches are the same. And I believe Rosemont Baptist Church is very special and very blessed. And I would like to invite you to, like Paul, to the early church. Don't take that for granted. Let's press in on that. If there's maybe a sin in our lives that we've been letting slide, we might need to confess that and lay that on the altar and put that to death so that we can press on and fight the good faith, fight the good fight of faith, excel still more and walk worthy of the gospel of Jesus Christ as a body of Christ. This is a time for us to press in and grow as a body of Christ. And I want to encourage you to pray with me for these people. So I'm going to invite you to stand at this point. Um, I'm going to do a couple of things. Um, first of all, I'm going to invite you to pray for our church. I'm going to invite you to come to the altar in a second. But before I do that, one thing I want you to notice about Moses is something very special. Moses acted like an intercessor. It means he was the middle guy between the people and God. He was the middleman. Some people call him a mediator. And because of his prayer, the wrath of God was turned away from those people. Now, I can pray for you. And I can pray for God's grace and God's favor on your lives, but I cannot turn away the wrath of God from your life. Only Jesus Christ can do that. He is the fulfillment of that picture. Jesus Christ died on the cross for our sins and he paid the price so that if for some reason you're still under the wrath of God and feeling that every time you come to church, something's just not right because everything at church just seems to be pointing you to the fact that you need the presence of God with you. You know a lot about God, but maybe you don't really know God. You're going to church a long time and playing the religious game, but maybe you don't really know God. You've been doing missions, but the presence of God is not in you and with you. What I'd like to do this morning is invite you to cry out to Jesus Christ. Come to the altar and just confess your sin before God and say, Lord Jesus, I don't want to leave this altar until I know for certain that you're going with me. I don't want to go another step in my life with my wife, with my kids, or with my job, or with missions, or church, or whatever. I don't want to go another step until you're with me. In church, I invite you to pray with us um, that God would not allow us to do one more thing unless his presence goes with us. So uh, there's three sections in here. Um, I'm going to invite you to come to the altar. The first section, I'd like to invite all of you guys, if you would, specifically for Rosemont Baptist Church. If you're not praying for your own personal life, I'd like to invite you to pray for all the people in our church that they would not just know about God, but that we would have an intimate, growing, deep knowledge of God. 
In this section here, I'd like to invite you guys to come to the altar, find a place where you can pray that's comfortable for you in a moment, and pray specifically that God's presence would go with our church everywhere we go, whether we're out of the country or right here in our backyard or just doing Sunday school class, that God's presence would be with us in a miraculous and powerful way. On this side, I'd like to invite you guys to pray that the glory that we would see the glory of God in a way that we've never seen it before. And that's a big prayer because we're seeing God's glory in ways that I can't even explain at this point. So I'm going to invite you to please pray that we will continue to see the favor of God. So I'm going to pray and invite you to come forward. God, thank you for this day and for your mercy and grace in our lives. Thank you for this church, the body of Christ, and what you're doing in it. God, I pray that you, you would walk with us and help us to know you intimately. God, I pray that your presence would be with us and you would not allow us to go any further in ministry or life unless you are with us. Please walk with us by hand, Lord. And Father, I pray that you would also show us your glory. Display your goodness and your kindness and your mercy and your miraculous work in front of us so that we might joyfully praise you as you do these things. We live and we breathe and we congregate as a fellowship for your glory. You've created us. We are created by you and for you. Let your name be glorified. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. I invite you to come and pray. And if you'd like to talk to somebody about receiving Jesus, Pastor Adam is here and so am I. Thank you for joining today's sermon. We would love to hear how today's message blessed you. Use the Contact Us link on our website at rosemontchurch.org. God bless.